For marketing agencies and social media managers looking to prove the value of their work, I've got something special for you. Agora Pulse is not only Social Media Examiner's tool of choice as an all-in-one social media management tool, it also allows you to track the traffic, conversion, and revenue from every social post, comment, and private message. Learn how to prove your social media ROI with a free training or a free trial by visiting agorapulse.com SME today. Again, agorapulse.com SME. Welcome to the Social Media Marketing Podcast, helping you navigate the social media jungle. And now, here's your host, Michael Stelzner. Hello, hello, hello. Thank you so much for joining me for the Social Media Marketing Podcast, brought to you by socialmediaexaminer.com. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner, and this is the podcast for marketers and business owners who want to know what works with social media. I'm super excited about today's show. I'll be joined by Emily Kroom and Damian Ross, and we'll explore how to grow your leads and your prospects by attending physical, in-the-flesh events. By the way, if you want to reach me, email podcast at socialmediaexaminer.com. Again, podcast at socialmediaexaminer.com. By the way, did you know I have another show? It's called the Social Media Marketing Talk Show. If you have room in your listening schedule for another show, be sure to add this one. Let's now transition over to this week's brand new discovery. Helping you stay alive in a social jungle, here's this week's survival tip. This week, I'm joined by Eric Fisher with a brand new discovery. What'd you find, Eric? I found a really cool app that's going to help you up your game when it comes to your writing style. It's called Hemingway App. Hmm. Tell me more. All right. So it starts off as a free web-based, browser-based Hemingway editor app. And what it does is as you write in this app, which is a clean interface, it starts to do the you know, uh, the, the grade level type of assessment of your writing. So it'll say this is a grade six level or this is a fourth grade level. You're writing at a fourth grade level and it'll give you um, highlights and grammar helps as you write. Okay. What makes this different than, for example, Microsoft Word in your opinion? Well, because this is going to give you um, some of the extra features in terms of uh, you can you can write without seeing the edits. You can turn them on, and then you can share it out. You can literally um, copy different pieces and share it out from there. Into but you can the, also into this. The, so, so what I hear you saying is it's kind of like a pre-check for your social updates. Yes, that's exactly that's exactly the use case that I was envisioning when I started working with this. The other cool piece to this is there is a a desktop app for this for both Mac and for Windows. And this does have a price point. It's a 19.99 price point and but the the uh, the bonuses that they give you with this thing um are are pretty impressive. So you have the ability from that to export out straight into WordPress installs, your your host self-hosted WordPress or WordPress.com or Medium. Hmm. Interesting. And is this all 
so 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 the free thing is a web-based tool is what yes. i hear you saying and the paid yes. thing is an app is that correct that's correct interesting if people want to dig into this a little more where, where would you send them you go to hemingwayapp.com dare i ask how do you spell hemingway because not everybody's gonna <laughs> that's know a great that. that's a great question uh hemingway is e sorry see even i messed it up hemingway is h-e-m-i-n-g W-A-Y, Hemingway. See, I thought for, for some crazy reason that it might have had two M's in it, so there you, you go. You could have, yeah, exactly, because that's how it is with, anyway, th- that's why we need this app to tell us <laughs> <laughs> what the proper spelling of Hemingway is. But the other, th- there's one other cool piece that I, I got to make sure you hear, and that is that in this you can write and highlight certain pieces, and then you can export out a PDF with the highlights intact so that you can show that to people. Really? That's pretty cool, too. Very fascinating. Yeah. Okay, so it's HemingwayApp.com. Yes. Thank you so much, Eric. You're welcome. Did you know that we can deliver awesome marketing info directly into your inbox? Simply subscribe to our weekly newsletter that comes out three days a week. You won't miss any of the updates going on in the world of social marketing. Visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash get updates. And now for today's interview with Damian Ross and Emily Kroom. Today, I'm excited to be joined by Emily Kroom and Damian Ross. They're from our biz dev division at Social Media Examiner, and each of them have been attending dozens and dozens of events for a very long time with an eye on prospecting. And today's show will explore how you can find prospects and customers through a wide variety of techniques that happen while you are at in-person events. Emily, welcome to the show. Hi, Mike. Nice to be here. And Damien, welcome to the show. So glad to be here, Mike. This is the first time that I've had you guys on the show. And just to set things up, folks, um, we, all three of us, attend lots of events every year with lots of different objectives. As a matter of fact, Emily is at an event right now. And we're going to share today a lot of tips and insights for those of you that are looking to grow your business by maybe taking your online activities offline. So Emily, for the person that's listening right now, why should they consider events in general as a way to prospect? Well, it's a great way to meet people and develop long-term relationships that you can um, sustain over a period of time. And it's also a great way to get awareness for your particular business. So tell us a little bit about what you're doing at the event that you're at today and what event it is. I'm at a, I'm, I'm at Inbound with 22,000 of my new potential best friends. <laughs> and we are all going to sessions and learning from each other. I'm taking some demos, meeting some new customers and potential uh, tools and solutions that could be informative for our audience. And Emily is on a secret mission, and her secret mission is to find opportunities there, which is why so many of us go to events. Damien, do you have anything that you want to add as to why people in general should consider going to events? I think really it's just about speeding up the KLT, the no like, and trust, in the sense that while you're there physically able to talk to someone, reach out to them, you really build a connection and you expedite that relationship. And you, that is probably the most valuable thing. I think everyone still understands that networking in person is still so important, even in 2017. Right. So expand on this no like, and trust thing a little bit. What do you mean by that? I think really 
you know, if you think back to old kind of sales days, if you played a round of golf with someone, you were friends for life. And whether you're able to do business with them or not, who knows? But at the end of the day, you really built a connection. And I think everyone talks about the KLT, the know, like, and trust. You've got to get to know someone. you got to get to like them. And then you'll be open to trusting them. And people want to do business with people they trust. It's just the way it is. I want to share a little story. When I first started Social Media Examiner way back in October of 2009, I went to two events, Blog World and Marketing Profs B2B Summit. And I was able to accomplish in a matter of just about a week, because these events were just a few days apart from each other, something that would have normally taken me a year to accomplish, or even years to accomplish, because it, it's kind of magical what happens when you meet people and you connect on whatever level with that other person. You feel like you're quick friends, you feel like you're buds, and even if opportunities do not present themselves immediately, I can tell you that I'm now friends with people like Chris Brogan and Scott Monty and so many others because I first met them at an event literally years ago and we hit it off. Now, you might be asking yourself, well, I'm not in the event business, Mike, and I don't go to events for the same reason you guys go to events. And I just want to add a couple things. Um, if your business falls into any of these kinds of categories, you could benefit by going to events and prospecting. First of all, if you are in the event world, of course, that makes sense. Uh, if you're a consultant of any kind, you could go there to try to find you know, other people that you could potentially have as customers. If you're a software company, you could go to events. If you sell physical products, you could go to events, and especially if you're in the professional services realm. So that pretty much covers almost everything that I can possibly imagine. So everybody can benefit from going to events. Now we're going to go ahead and we're going to talk about four different levels, if you will. And that's just something we came up with here internally of how you could potentially benefit from events. Now let's start, um, Emily, we'll start with you. Let's start with level one. Level one is just picking up and physically buying a ticket and going to an event. What is possible? What could you do? And you can maybe even talk about what you are doing while you're there at the event that, that you're at literally right now. One of the things that I like to do is I like to meet with my existing customers and support their activities at other events. I can attend sessions, maybe they're speaking or they're doing demonstrations of the latest enhancement to their their service or their software, and I'm learning about their business and ways that I can help them connect more deeply with our audience. So in that case, you're going there to deepen the relationship that you already have with an existing customer. Exactly. What else can you do? Well, you can go to other activities that align with your type of business. So I'm learning about technologies. I'm also getting inspiration uh, from, uh, other professionals, maybe that are, um, people that do the same type of thing that I do, maybe not exactly what I do, but I'm honing my craft and, and finding other like-minded people. Damien, I know that you, uh, attended an event, uh, well, a couple of events recently. Maybe you can tell me what you were trying to accomplish while you were there. 
So for me, it's really, again, it's funny. It's it's the expediting the relationships, but in the reverse, where I'm going there to meet with people that see the power of exhibiting and getting in front of attendees, but I'm there to find out kind of who their decision maker is. So I actually go with a pretty interesting approach. I go to actually really learn about what they do, and it's not some sort of Trojan horse. It really is to learn what they do, and I can pass that information back to the coworkers in my company that they would allow them to see if that's a good fit. And then I also then build that relationship to be able to say, hey, by the way, who makes the decisions about coming to events? And every time they'll let you know exactly who it is. But trust me, it's hard to find that person outside of the hand-to-hand asking. I was uh, most recently at uh, Podcast Movement, which is a conference for podcasters. And in about a week, I'm heading to Vid Summit, which is a conference for YouTubers. In both of those situations, I was there pretty exclusively just to network. And all I did was stand around in the halls and talk to people and meet up with some of my existing contacts. And oftentimes they would introduce me to new people. I might host a little breakfast or a lunch or a dinner. And when you sit down with these people and you just start breaking bread with them, amazing opportunities present themselves. So this is kind of what I'm going to call level one. And let's talk about some tips. Um, Damien, we'll start with you. What are some tips when you are just attending an event as an attendee, but you're going there with like a secret motive, which is the prospect. Yeah, I think really either on both sides, if I was there to do what I'm doing, which is prospecting, or if I was there as an attendee, when you're meeting with an exhibitor, I think you really have to respect their time. And so for me, obviously, they've they've already purchased their booth and I'm there not selling them, but, you know, like feeling them out. And I've got to respect that when a potential customer comes up to them, I have to leave. Now, if I was just an attendee, which I have been as well, I don't want to take the exhibitors all of their time because they're there to meet with as many potential people. So really respect people's time. Well, and the same thing is the case, even if they're, if you're just networking with another attendee who happens to be your ideal prospect, you also want to respect their time because they're not there to be pitched. They're there probably to go to a session, you know? So that's a really good piece of advice. Emily, do you have any advice? I think you always need to do your homework and prepare yourself. So that means spending time probably on the website for that particular event, understanding the agenda. What's the times of the sessions that you may want to attend? What are the times of any expo that they may have open? And do some research and know who you want to speak with. Cool. Damien, any more? Yeah, I think always in those situations, it's great to be of service. I mean, you want to leave with a really cool kind of impression. If it's simple as, you know, I've I've been to events where I've helped people set up their booths when they're just trying to get things together or offer to grab them a cup of coffee. You know, I want to leave them with the impression that I'm there to help them, which I am. And it's a great way to physically kind of do that. Emily, what about when you walk up to somebody and you don't know them? Got any tips? Have an icebreaker, something that will sort of um, ease the tension. You don't want to just launch into your business pitch and you certainly don't want them to launch into theirs. So maybe make a comment. I tend to wear my purple glasses when I go to an event and people tend to comment on that. Um, so maybe comment on a, um, an item, uh, you know, compliment someone on their clothing or, um, you know, comment on the traffic or, you know, the busyness of the booth, have an icebreaker. You could even ask what brings you here, you know, or, um, you know, 
if they have a badge that says something particular, like they're a speaker, hey, what are you speaking on? That kind of stuff is totally an icebreaker. Damien, when you're talking to somebody who um, does have a booth and you're looking for possibly considering them to be a sponsor for your show or possibly an expo sponsor at your your event or whatever, what, what tips might you have? You know, I think it's really just to be kind of direct and transparent. Don't make it sound like you're you know, you're wanting to, let's say, buy their service. And so you're looking for a contact, be direct and open, explain why you're there and then ask for the contact and then ask for a way to be able to have the relationship. Once you leave the conference, get emails, get Twitter handles, get Facebook addresses, things of that nature. So that way you can follow up with them on all different levels. And I guess that's particularly powerful if you've already done something to help them, right? <laughs> like if you, oh, were, without a doubt. if you brought them a cup of water or something like that, you would say, Hey, just so I'm just want to let you know why I'm here and is there anybody who you think I ought to talk to, you know, or whatever. Yeah. So that's really cool. All right. So that's level one. So now to level two, and these are going to get incrementally more, um, uh, the benefits increase quite substantially. So for a business that wants to spend some level of money, but doesn't have an outrageous amount of money, Emily, what, what are some options for people to go beyond just, I'm just an attendee at an event to some level of sponsorship? Well, aside from having, you know, a huge presence, something that requires a lot of manpower and planning and preparation, there's a lot of turnkey opportunities at these events that um, really might fit your business. They might align um, maybe from a contextual or a content standpoint, but even simple things like coffee stations, charging stations, um, lounges, and um, other kinds of, you know, cool activations are what I call them. Mm. Yeah. So uh, even something as simple as a lanyard sponsorship, right? Because that's something that doesn't require you to be physically present as well. And, Absolutely. Um, and then also some conferences also have track sponsorships. Why don't you explain what that is? So sometimes you can sponsor content and this is a great way to have your brand um, aligned with whatever that topic is. So if the topic is video marketing and you happen to have a really great tool for video marketing or a solution for marketers that want to create video content, track sponsorship is a perfect way to get that into the minds almost subliminally because they're being taught by probably really um, experts in that particular field, but then every time there's an opportunity, your brand gets mentioned. Now, these types of sponsorships, things like coffee, charging station, track sponsorships and lanyards, they don't actually require you to have any physical human presence, I guess is the best way to say. You could technically sponsor them from afar and have like a branding opportunity. And the lanyards in particular can be very powerful because people, especially at the right kind of event, will take selfies and you want that brand to be in all the pictures that show up on Instagram and and Twitter and all those other places. Um, Damien, do you have any thoughts that you want to throw in on this one, on this level two stuff? Yeah. I mean, to kind of chime in on that, especially with, with the ability to be at an event and have brand awareness, but without taking on the cost of, let's say, travel. So there are a lot of organizations that are, let's say, even just outside of the, the U.S. and they have a great brand and a great product, but just the cost to come over can be overwhelming. So this is a great opportunity. But I also think it's really important that it's for a brand that is somewhat known. I mean, obviously, 
I'm not talking about that a brand that everyone in every country would know, but it's somewhat known specific to the conference that you're trying to do to help build on the brand that you already have. I wouldn't start there if I was a, a complete startup that really nobody knew. Got it. Emily, what kind of things have you seen at events um, that that kind of allow people to get more creative with this kind of sponsorship? Well, I think a lot of events have their own brand personality. And I'll give you an example. Content Marketing World, put on by Joe Polizzi and the Content Marketing Institute, has a color that is very on brand to them. And that color is orange. So they will create snacks breaks with orange snacks. So Cheetos and anything orange, you know, those little peanuts and and things. And that is very on brand for them. Even sponsors can play into that. We've had um, sponsors that wanted to make some sort of an announcement and they used popcorn as an analogy for something's going to pop. And that was a really creative idea that Hootsuite did when they were launching a new add-on to their management um, platform. Very cool. Okay. So, so far we've talked about level one, which is just physically attending an event as an attendee with the secret mission. Um, level two is a more overt sponsorship opportunity where you're going for something that doesn't require outrageously high costs of labor and, and other financial commitments, but does get you some visibility. Level three, uh, level three is we're talking about, uh, like a, a, an expo kind of booth and all the various varieties that come with that. Damien, why should someone consider taking on level three? I think all companies have kind of the same sales funnel where they have people that don't know who they are, sort of know who they are, are interested in who they are, and then are customers. And this allows you to get in front of all four of those kind of funnel prospects or customers at once. And I think each person in those steps is going to be really grateful to be able to, one, find out about you, two, get that hands-on kind of experience with you. And if you're a customer or a fan, it's going to be great to actually meet someone from a company that you like face-to-face. Okay. So give me some examples, Damien, of some of the things that you've seen that you like at the various events that you've been at. And Emily, if you want, you can chime in as well after Damien's done. But what what's something that you've seen someone do inside of a booth that you think was kind of cool? You know, I was at an event and I thought it was interesting they were there. So it was a direct marketing conference and Twitter was there. And I thought that's really interesting because they're reaching out to people that probably don't consider advertising within Twitter as part of their everyday norm because they're trying to mail people stuff still. But what Twitter did is they had a, a large booth with basically three televisions and they walked people through the process of buying ads on Twitter and reaching their target customers just as much as buying a mailing address as specific as they needed. They could do the same. And it was a great hands-on experience, especially for people that might not really understand how to target people on a digital platform. And um, Emily, before I ask you to answer that question, I was at perhaps one of the biggest conferences in America, which is Comic-Con San Diego. And the variance of things that I saw going on in booths was crazy. Everything from selling little tchotchkes and comic books inside of a, like a 10 by 10 space to actually like a Walking Dead experience where they actually had, you know, people dressed up as the Walking Dead and you could stand in line and you could go through this kind of experience. It's just kind of crazy the level at which some of these things go like three stories into the air and all that kind of stuff. Emily, um, what are, what can we do with booths? I mean, we don't have to go crazy walking dead level, but what can, what some of the stuff we can do with booths with like a space, if you will. 
Well, aside from the usual things that you might think of, like demoing your product or talking to experts, you could have a fun game. You could have a game of skill that leads to some sort of a raffle, you know, something uh, that's kind of an icebreaker in and of itself. I've seen um, basketball games. I've seen, you know, hit the hit the bell, you know, ring the bell with the sledgehammer, kind of a circus sideshow type of a game. I've seen booths where you get inside a, a, you know, a glass booth and you grab dollar bills. So these are all kinds of fun, fun ways to get people to participate. It creates excitement activity and sort of um, gets people looking around and, and creating traffic. Let's assume that the most common thing people want to do is demo a product. Um, and I know you're at an event right now where people are probably demoing products, Emily. Um, talk about how that would work so people could understand that. Well, I think people would probably have some sort of a laptop set up. And if you could project that onto a bigger screen, so maybe you could draw more people in from farther away and you could have more than just a one-on-one demo. Um, the other thing too is you maybe want to have a canned demo or a reel that walks people through what your product will do for their their services or you know at least have a scripted here's how this works. I went through a, a demo with um, one of our friends for his software while I was here and he was showing me you know what are some of the capabilities um, but he was showing it to me on an iPad that was also projecting onto a screen so other people could follow along. Oh that's pretty cool. Um, back in the day way before Social Media Examiner, Emily and I used to work for the same company and we used to do trade shows. And we went to the Jacob Javits Center in New York City. Do you remember that, Emily? Um, Yes. (laughs) And uh, we had a 20 by 20 foot space and we were showing off computer software and we had a bunch of chairs set up in this space and people sat down, listened to a little, you know, five minute speech. I might've even been the one to give the speech. I don't remember. And then we would give them all t-shirts for sitting there. So you can bait people into your booth too. Let's be honest, right? Like we've seen candy bowls, (laughs) you know, a lot of people put little candies or little squeeze balls in there and they say, Hey, as long as you let me scan your badge or pop your business card in the fishbowl and we'll give you these kinds of things. Do you find those to be effective also? I think they're, they're fun. I mean, they, again, they can be on brand. Um, and it's also, fun if it's something that people will wear. So I'll give you an example. I'm at this conference and um, a friend of ours uh, owns a marketing agency called Smart Bug Media and they have glow-in-the-dark glasses. So, you know, the geek glasses that are usually black with clear lenses, but these are green and they're glow in the dark. And you now can see them everywhere at this conference. And imagine, you know, people associating something like that with your brand. It's fun and it's really interesting. So let's explore some tips. We'll start with you, Damien. And and by the way, you can, Damien, if you have any other cool examples, throw those or tips wherever you want to start. Yeah, I was thinking in regards to when we attended VidCon, if I was a company that needed to reach influencers, and we we're talking about just different levels, I think it's really important to almost strategize two different ways of doing it. I would definitely look at sponsoring something that got me in front of the influencers in the sense that because it's such a fan-based show, influencers aren't going to be on the floor. So you want to think about really who your target is when you're there. Um, And I think, too, what's so great nowadays that we didn't have 20 years ago is you can start targeting attendees, especially, obviously, through social media, before you get 
to the event, which is great. Instead of looking to just, um, you know, start promoting, we're going to be here, start looking for the hashtags and looking on the different sites that are hosting the event and start engaging with people. Now, this is really smart because um, a lot of times if you're really uh, organized and you're going to have a booth and a lot of people end up doing interviews inside their booth, which we didn't mention. Um, and that's a great way to draw a little crowd outside your booth. If you have a big enough booth and you're going to do interviews and record them, you could reach out to the experts that are going to be at the event already, either, uh, you know, speakers or attendees, and you could coordinate them to come by your booth and to be interviewed by you. And you could broadcast it live or you could record it at a later time. But just having those influencers coming to your booth to answer questions will naturally draw a little crowd right in front of your booth. Emily, what other, what other tips do you have? I might have stolen one of yours. <laughs> That's okay. Um, I think using the technology of the moment uh, live from Facebook or other platforms can be very compelling and it can be a way to draw in people not only at the conference, but people that are beyond the hallowed halls of a convention center. So maybe go behind the scenes and give people a sneak peek or, you know, tease it up, use broadcast, um, techniques as a way to tease it up and say, hope to see you here later um, and use the hashtag. So people that are paying attention on social media platforms might see you and say, oh gosh, I have to go see that um, brand and that company. And if you already have relationships with influencers that are going to be at the event, get them to come to your booth and go live. I saw this happen um, at an event, an Adobe event. Um, and I saw Mari Smith go live from that event. Now, I don't know if Mari Smith was an official influencer or not, but it was wise that she was going live from the Adobe booth, you know, at this particular event. So if you can persuade someone who has a big audience to come to your booth and do something, and maybe you've already got an existing relationship with them, that is something that could be really powerful because there's generally speaking a lot more people that might see it, you know, and it also just creates a lot of buzz because you're there in the flesh and a lot of times they don't see your brand in person and you could coordinate maybe some person from your company to go live with someone right there in your booth. Damien, what, what other ideas do you have? You know, it's funny that what you mentioned right now too, reminded me today, Marcus Sheridan tweeted out, um, because he was asked by an attendee at inbound, can I pick your brain? And Marcus is like, you know, this is where I'll be. And then it was the booth that he's going to be at for about an hour or two. So it's actually a really good feature for a speaker. If you're building those relationships to give the speaker the opportunity to have a place that they can tell people to meet them. Cause trust me, speakers are sought after at these events for that one-on-one time and how great it is when a speaker can say, instead of, Hey, meet me in this column hallway down here by the second restroom, they can say, Hey, meet me at this uh, exhibitors booth and I'll answer all your questions there. Oh, and, and to, to, to pile on that, I've seen speakers say, I'm going to be signing my book and answering your questions immediately after this presentation at this booth. And that's usually some sort of a partnership relationship that's not all that unlike what you just said. Another thing that I've seen a lot of people do that are really smart is they have um, printed out little flyers that they give to people, um, either that come by their booth and could be like, hey, come on back tomorrow at two o'clock, we're gonna have this event going on here. Or it could just be uh, people that pass them around to random people that they meet throughout the event, kind of driving them back to the booth. But don't just don't just wait for people to come by the booth. You can actually drive them to your booth if you're super creative about it. Um, Emily, what other tips do you have? Well, 
taking from our vast resource of people going by what Jay Bear says is help, don't sell. One of the um, exhibitors here had this really great cheat sheet that was very valuable. Here's the different formats for doing video in the different social platforms. Here's the format. Here's the the ideal length. And this was Animoto Wave. And they were handing out these little cards that they had created. So they were actually sharing valuable knowledge. They weren't selling their product. They were helping these marketers understand what are the requirements for creating videos. And I think that was a great idea. Now, Emily, location, 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 right? <laughs> Talk to me about this because I, I think yeah. that people might not understand what all that means. What, why is the location important and what should we be thinking about? Well, I think you always want to be in a highly visible trafficked spot um, that's not always the case when you're in some of these expo environments that are rows and rows of booths. If you're fortunate enough to be in an environment where they're thinking about the flow of traffic going to and fro sessions or to areas, um, lunch, different activities. So you want to know, is my spot in a good spot? Am I going to be nearby to people that are friendly and also, can I have competitive separation so I'm not exactly next door to my direct competitor? So you want to make sure that you're aware of where you're going to be if possible. And, you know, good organizers are always going to help you find the ideal spot. You want to add anything to that, Damien? Yeah, I think, too, you know, as long as there's a good flow, um, it's not the, necessarily the most important thing. It's about being in there. And then maybe some of the things you can look into is finding out who else is going to be there. Do your research and try to see where other booths are going to be to be able to, you can start strategizing some partnerships before the event. Perfect. So that's level three. So again, level one is just show up and uh, prospect. Level two is invest a little bit and try to get some sort of exposure. Level three is invest a little bit more and have some sort of a presence there where you can demo your products, sell your products, uh, network with influencers and all that fun stuff. Now, level four is what I'm going to call the super high profile level. Emily, why don't you talk about what might be including and included in something that at this level? Those could be um, big parties or exclusive parties. They could be lead sponsorships where you get more visibility, prime real estate, you know, other ways that your brand will be mentioned, live stages, content stages. There's always, um, you know, opportunities potentially if they're creating additional content beyond sessions or education that, um, you know, maybe there's some, some way that you can get your brand associated with that. So typically people call these like platinum sponsorships or title sponsorships or lead sponsor. And these are typically the most expensive that there is, but they also provide the sponsor the most I guess, branding, exposure kind of opportunities. Um, let's talk about some examples. Um, Emily, we were at VidCon and we saw Dunkin' Donuts doing something kind of cool. What Can you explain what they were doing? I actually don't remember what Dunkin' Donuts Don't you remember it was saying. Dunkin' Donuts and it was AMC 
Um, and they were, okay, I'll explain it. So um, there was this lounge that Dunkin' Donuts and AMC had put together and they were telling people to go ahead and 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 uh, enter a contest to have their own show. And they, they had uh, these teams of people that would help them. You know, they'd go into a little sound booth and they would record this little... Um, uh, if you will, teaser for a possible show. And at the end, AMC was going to give away, you know, uh, pick one to have their own show on AMC. And then in the middle of it all, are you remembering it now? You had Dunkin' Donuts yes. handing out coffee? Okay, good. Am I forgetting anything? <laughs> no, but the, there was, I think there was some more public performance that was, you know, content. So people were sharing it. And that was another way to... Um, get your brand, you know, sort of amplified beyond what was happening in a particular spot at this huge show. So um, I think the advantage to having this kind of sponsorship is that you're going to be getting your brand everywhere. I mean, people are probably going to be talking about you. This is not a small investment. Um, You know, people are going to take pictures of it, hopefully share it. Like the Walking Dead example uh, that I mentioned at Comic-Con, they were everywhere. Like literally the badge that I had on my neck had the walking dead guy on it. And I had to scan through a walking dead door. I mean, literally everywhere I went, I had to put my little badge up against this walking dead guy and then it would go bleep and it would let me in. So like clearly the walking dead was like one of the title sponsors at Comic-Con. They invested heavily, but everybody there was talking about it. Um, Damien, what's some of the advantages in your opinion to having this kind of a sponsorship? You know, I think really, again, it is, it's just this expedited kind of branding that you're doing. You're really pushing yourself in a way that's not aggressive, that you're helping partner with the event, especially with party sponsors. But I think what a lot of people do and they forget is that people, when they get kind of hyped up on a brand, they still want that interaction. So a lot of times you'll see these lead sponsorships and these party sponsorships almost always kind of like mandatory come with a booth or some sort of physical presence because then you really are going to see the ROI. I had this a great experience at your party. You did this a great like kind of interaction with me to kind of onboard me. But then the next day after the party, I was able to go into the exhibit hall and now I'm meeting with you. So don't forget just because, you know, you're, you're trying to grab the, the cream of the cream kind of sponsorship, make sure that you're having that physical presence within the event itself. Now, Emily, I think you have an example of something that you saw with Google doing some market research. Can you share that story? Yeah, I went to a small business expo event and Google was one of the sponsors. And of course, they were doing um, content from a stage, but they used the entrance to the event as an opportunity to survey incoming attendees and do some market research for their particular division. It happened to be the um get your business online, um, sign up your business and take advantage. They have a lot of services and solutions. So they were doing research, going through a short, not overly long questionnaire. And then once people um, completed the questionnaire, they got some cool little gift that was, you know, from, from Google, that was a nice memento. I'll give two more examples. Uh, Content Marketing World, which I've spoken at for many years, they always have a speaker party. And at the speaker party, the sponsor gets up behind, typically like if it's at a bar, you know, they get up on like a high table and they get a 
they bring over a little microphone and the sponsors, you know, gets a few minutes to speak to all the speakers, you know, in one kind of a setting. And that could be super powerful for the right kind of sponsor. Um, when I was at Star Wars Celebration in Orlando, which is a crazy big conference, 70,000 people, they had this stage set up. And it was a live stage with like multiple sets on it and they were broadcasting live and it was brought to us by Verizon. So Verizon's brand was all over that thing everywhere. And, you know, like a million people watched the playbacks and that's a pretty premium opportunity as well. So folks, we've talked about the four different levels. Start by just, you know, if you're just getting started, just show up and start prospecting, but do it right. We've given you lots of tips. If you um, don't want to be physically present or you want a minimal presence, then the level two is your opportunity when we're talking about things like lanyards and charging stations. Uh, level three is typically where most people start you know, with some sort of a physical presence so that they can direct people to a place that is their own and they can demo their products, they can meet prospects. And then level four is for the really you know sponsor that's probably somewhat familiar with doing events and wants to take it to the next level. Now, Emily, we have a free event sponsorship playbook. Why don't you tell everybody where they can find that? Sure. If they go to socialmediaexaminer.com forward slash sponsor playbook, all one word, you'll get a great playbook that'll help you be successful at your next event. Yeah, no no registration. It's immediately free. I think, what is it, about 12 pages or something with, with tons of tips in it, right? Exactly. So socialmediaexaminer.com slash sponsor playbook, all one word. And also, folks, if you're interested in discovering the kinds of sponsorship opportunities we have at Social Media Marketing World, uh, a couple things that I want to tell you is, first of all, you can go to socialmediaexaminer.com slash leads. And almost everything we talked about today is an opportunity for you at Social Media Marketing World. Again, it's socialmediaexaminer.com dot com slash leads. You can also directly email both Damien and Emily. Damien, why don't you tell everybody uh, how people can reach out to you? Yeah, so actually my name is spelled a little different than most Damien's. It's D-E-M-I-A-N at, at socialmediaexaminer.com is my email. And you can look for me on LinkedIn as well too, Damien Ross. Perfect. Emily, why don't you tell everybody what your email address is? I'm Emily at socialmediaexaminer.com, E-M-I-L-Y. And Emily's last name is Kroom, C-R-U-M-E. Damien and Emily, thank you guys so much for joining us on this week's episode of the Social Media Marketing Podcast. Thanks, Mike. Thanks, Mike, so much. Well, I hope you found a lot of value in today's episode. If there's anything that we mentioned and you missed, don't worry. We take all the notes for you. Socialmediaexaminer.com slash 271. Also, never miss a future episode of this podcast by hitting that subscribe button. This brings us to the end of another episode of the Social Media Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner. I'll be back with you in the driver's seat next week. I promise. I hope you make the absolute best out of your day. And may social media continue to change your world. The Social Media Marketing Podcast is a production of Social Media Examiner. Want more good stuff? Sign up for our top-notch social marketing newsletter. We deliver it straight into your inbox three days a week. Visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash get updates.